Salutations. Welcome to Spiritual Blitherings, Philosophical Ponderings, and Everything Ramblings at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. This is a Just Some Guy production, and I'm that guy, your host, Steve, the Hopeful Humanist. Today in episode 18, Yearning to Yearn, a Gen Z gigolo, and on being radical, we're going to examine and explore ideas and flow about the good life, conscious living, and a resource for our spiritual toolbox. But before I get started, because I'm going to do something silly, I'm going to start off with a power statement. I am the mitochondria. No, it didn't work. Let me do it again. I am the mitochondria. Well, maybe that's like too much of a question mark attached to that one. I am the mitochondria. Yeah, there. That is my power statement for today. I'd get myself pumped up because I'm going to do something silly today. And I believe it requires a little bit of courage. At some point, I'm going to be singing a song to try to capture or set the scene for a part of the tone of this podcast. And uh, I'm not musically inclined whatsoever, but we'll get to that eventually. So the resource I'd like to showcase today is also a suggested reading for the Happier Quest for Parents, and it's called Happy Parents, Happy Kids by Ann Douglas. And I think this is a great book for a book club. Last couple of weeks, I've talked with a lot of parents, had a lot of really wonderful conversations. We've been supporting one another in terms of how we as parents can equip our kids for the Happier Quest and stand up to this age of anxiety, as Ann Douglas has referred to it as. She's suggesting that as parents, we're feeling anxious, overwhelmed, and guilty. I mean, there's uh, many of us who are concerned that we're screwing up our kids. And as Gabber Mate shared in a online talk, you can access on YouTube in terms of his book, Hold On To Your Kids. He said, you know, if you're, if you're concerned that you're going to screw up your kids, don't worry, you will. He said, the, the only goal is not to screw them up as much as our parents screwed us up. So there's a, a real acknowledgement of being compassionate with oneself and recognizing that we're not perfect and we're all doing the best we can. So in terms of uh, this age of anxiety, this book explores a number of pressing and challenging realities and provides a four-prong approach to self-care that focuses on sleep, physical activity. Physical activity is an antidote to depression. Sleep is essential for our mental health. It talks about a healthy relationship with screen time because many of us are struggling in terms of our relationship with screen time. And this is also about uh, cell phones, really, our relationship with cell phones and healthy eating. We are so pulled in so many different directions that we're not making healthy eating choices. And all this lines up with and complements the ideas in the previous episode about equipping our young people for the happier quest in terms of supporting that foundation of activities that we want to encourage our young people to do. For instance, exercising four times per week for 30 minutes each time, getting eight hours sleep per day, doing six to seven minute chunks of mindfulness activities throughout the week, and trying to get 12 hugs a day. Right? So this is what the book explores. And it really emphasizes the importance of showing oneself compassion. As self-compassion provides a number of benefits in terms of good mental health, improved thinking, improved quality of relationships, especially during shared struggles, 
and it also helps us root out unhelpful beliefs about the self. And if we're able to create a space for ourselves, which could be a radical act as taking time for ourselves, creating some solitude for ourselves, engaging in self-care often seems to be a very selfish thing. So to be able to engage in that radical act will allow us to do some things like, as uh, Ann Douglas talks about, self-adaptive reflection, where we're able to get curious about ourselves and think about you know, the big picture of life as opposed to caught in narrow focused ruminations. And in that process then, some of those automatic negative thoughts that we have about ourselves, that we might have about our kids, that we might have about our parenting, we can engage in some cognitive repraisals. That's just a cognitive behavioral therapy term that says, you know, maybe uh, some of our thinking isn't helpful and we might want to try to think about changing the way we think so we have a more honest and balanced idea about what's happening for ourselves as we navigate this world. So I had a whole bunch of preliminary discussions like I have in previous episodes. And one of the things that came out of it, and I guess it was connected to another stream of thought I was pursuing while reading this book uh, in terms of reading The Rebel by Albert Camus, was this idea of yearning. Uh, Albert Camus, and there's also a Seinfeld episode where George is talking to Jerry about yearning. That's kind of cute. But there, there was this idea that kind of was blossoming at the same time that I was reading in Douglas's book about yearning. And so we had some discussions about the many different things that are tackled in this book. And we found ourselves talking about yearning as parents that, you know, in terms of greedy institutions and being time stressed, which is a way that Statistics Canada is kind of tracking the way we talk about our experience of being stressed, that there's a, a large component that's focused specifically on time. And we've talked about a lack of being time affluent. Well, a lot of people, a lot of parents were sharing that in terms of their yearnings. They're yearning for more sleep, right? They're also yearning for some more money because there's some financial difficulties that results in this experience of anxiety for parents. They're wanting more adventure. And some things were brought up in this book that brought it to my attention that one of the things that I might be yearning for is maybe more calm, more solitude, and that when I'm able to do that, and, and those things are, as Ann Douglas talked about, radical acts because they seem to be so selfish, but they're so essential for being the parents that we want to be. These preliminary discussions brought about this idea of yearning to yearn, but if we're not able to create space for ourselves, if we're not able to have those moments where we can sit in calm solitude, we lose a part of ourselves. So in terms of being able to equip our youth for the happier quest, as one of my friends uh, shared in a preliminary discussion in the previous episode, it's not about necessarily engaging in conversations. It's about role modeling for them a healthy way to conduct yourself and navigate yourself through this absurd world, this absurd life. And part of that requires us being courageous enough to be radical and to focus on ourselves. Isn't that interesting that for me to do well at parenting, for me to be the best parent that I can, for me to be the parent that does a good job at equipping his sons for the happier quest, that one of the things that I need to do is not only think about possible important conversations to engage with them, but is also to focus on myself, to give myself that space to think about 
you know, what are the things that I'm yearning for in this world of anxiety? So to set the scene now, and this is where I had to make my power statement to, to start off the episode, I'm going to sing a song. And the purpose of singing the song is to identify how hard it is for us as parents to engage in that, in that radical act of creating space for ourselves because it seems like a luxury when we need to be constantly engaged and involved with our kids because they're up against some pressing things. So this song that I'm going to sing, and I apologize for your eardrums, but I think it does a good job of kind of capturing how tough it is to be healthy for the younger generations. And I'm talking about millennials and Gen Z and Gen Alpha, which is up and coming. By, by singing this song, it kind of lets us know that it does become difficult to step back and focus on ourselves, but yet it's important to do that. So this song was written by a character in my Twitter novel called Offscript Living, which is incomplete and currently at a standstill. And this song that's written by that character actually isn't in print anywhere. Uh, This will be the only artifact of this song's existence as I sing it here and I figure out how to incorporate into the story. So to set the scene, this is a a young person, we can imagine perhaps walking along Dallas Road in Victoria, who's looking out along the Juan de Fuca Strait, thinking about his, her, or one's place in the universe, and really sensing that it's difficult to be a young person right now, and that there's a lot of obstacles. So the song goes like this. Nothing but a Gen Z gigolo. I'm nothing but a Gen Z gigolo Doing my best and trying to rest Going from gig to gig Reading all the headlines Is like reading all my deadlines Can't afford home ownership Or purchase a car from a dealership Sitting with my eight second attention span More confused than I've ever been. But the one thing that I know is it's hard to be healthy in this world. Oh, it's hard to be healthy in this world. So that's it. That's my song. That's my debut performance. There's a quote here I'd like to take from the book right now, from Ann Douglas's book, I think that goes with this song in terms of where we are as parents and and feeling anxiety. The future feels frighteningly close. We're being asked to prepare our children for a world that seems harsher and less forgiving in a world where the life scripts that seem to make sense for recent generations study hard, get a job, get married, buy a house, start a family, no longer work or seem to apply and provide few, if any, guarantees Add to that increasingly alarming, albeit sometimes alarmist, headlines about our looming apocalyptic future. A world ravaged by climate change and controlled artificial intelligence. A world where decades of social progress can be swiped away with the single stroke of a politician's pen. And you can see why so many of us are approaching peak parental anxiety. This isn't what we signed up for when we decided to become parents. Anxiety is a perfectly rational response to the state of the world, a perfectly understandable response to an increasingly uncertain future. So this is the challenge that as we figure out how we as parents can equip our kids for the happier quest, 
and I provided a resource in the last episode, one of the things that we can't lose sight of is the importance of taking care of ourselves. But it's hard, right? When we realize, as uh, Anne Douglas in her book identifies, that in terms of the Canadian sector, 35 to 40% of current jobs will disappear. So what do we do? Well, one of my thoughts was exactly what I mentioned at the beginning. Uh, we create opportunities and forums for ourselves as parents to come together and perhaps create a book club where we're coming together maybe once a week or once a month and we're talking about the different trends and the different realities and the different tools that we can use to stand up to this age of anxiety. There's a whole bunch of really interesting ideas in the book that Ann Douglas has written for us and she talks about things like, and I'm just going to go through a little bit of a list just to kind of, I guess you could say, to, to tease you, to kind of hook you, to interest you, so perhaps you will pick up the book for yourself. Because as I said, I don't have a monopoly on the truth. And so in terms of my attempt to cover a resource in terms of a, a book review, uh, you'll have to check it out yourself to see if I've done any justice to it. But she talks about a whole bunch of things. And one of them is this idea of worry triage and saying that we're worrying about a whole bunch of things. And one of the things we can do is we can make a list to split things that we have control over in one group and split them from things that we don't have control over. And this is all, you know, this is the serenity prayer. And in terms of the things that we don't have is figuring out how to get to a place of radical acceptance. And then with the things that we do have some control over to create some action plans. In terms of this, the, the emphasis is about compassion all around for ourselves and for others. And when we attempt to do the best we can as we try to figure out how to navigate our worry, engage in these, this worry triage, as we deal with time stress, I mean, six out of 10 people are reporting a lack of time for family. They're yearning for family. And this is a major stress of dissatisfaction. A major component of this is increased commuting times with longer periods of uh, being on the road. So more and more people are having to commute more and more people are having to spend longer periods of time on the road as they go from point A to point B. Additionally, we have this total work culture that we're confronted with. So when I talk about greedy institutions and being pulled in these different directions, and parenthood is one of them, the most pervasive is this idea of a total work culture where you know the, the impact of technology is that most corporate jobs are now 24-7. We, we can't get away from them. And then we have this, this technology at the same time that's it's made its way into our lives. It's permeated every aspect of our lives. And the reality is we're at times distracted parents. We're on our cell phones and we're not focusing on what's happening right in front of us. We have what Ann Douglas talks about is an inintentional blindness. We're, we're just having a cell phone in a room when you're sleeping decreases your ability to sleep well. Just having a cell phone present during a discussion creates distractions. And when you're actually on the phone, we actually become blind to things. That's called an, an intentional blindness. And so we have this technoference that's taking place. And this is just some of the many things that we're attempting to navigate and stand up to and make sense of. In terms of my takeaway, of all the things that she discussed, the two were the importance of self-care. So I'm going to just quickly read a quote that she has here about self-care, just so we know what it is that we're talking about. Self-care is about nurturing yourself and your relationships 
safeguarding your right to good health, and ensuring that activities that actually involve meeting some of your own needs, as opposed to solely focusing on meeting someone else's needs, show up on your calendar a little more often. It's a mindset. It's a way of living, as opposed to a short-lived indulgence that you might feel you have to justify to yourself or anyone else. For instance, I guess having a spa day or having a, an extended hot bath. For me, in terms of one of the things that we can do to stand up to this age of, age of anxiety and be there for our kids is to make sure we make time for self-care. And I recognize that that is a radical act and we must say at those moments that I am the mitochondria and I can do this and I deserve it and it's good for my family. Because when I'm calm, when I have an opportunity for some solitude, I think better, I'm more replenished, and it gives me an opportunity to be more creative. Ever notice you're having a bath or you're going for a walk and then all of a sudden something you've been struggling with, it just, there, there's a, a flash of understanding. There's a solution that presents itself. And these are some of the gifts that we can experience if we can make that radical act and engage in some self-care. The other thing I'd say is quite simply, keep dinner sacred. Now, in terms of phones and our relationship with phones, I think it's really important that we don't bring our phones to our dinner tables because having dinner together is one way where we can, well, there's, there's a whole bunch of health benefits regarding eating dinner together. I mean, feeding is, is and says this on page 202, is not just about nutrition, it's about relationship. And the benefits include improved social skills, improved communication language skills, closeness with parents, and also we're modeling healthy food choices. So it makes a huge difference in terms of setting your kids up for the happier quest. I'm already at 20 minutes and I like to try to keep these episodes as short as possible. The goal is always really just to highlight the resource and if you need to get to it, you can uh, short circuit this discussion and just go to the library, pick up the book and start reading and maybe you're going to start your own book club. So I've given you some things that hopefully, some thoughts, I've shared some thoughts that hopefully will hook you and get you interested in the book. But I'm going to leave it to you to decide whether or not this is something you're going to put in your toolbox. And I want to share with you that thank you for joining me for another Hopeful Humanist Cafe discussion, for another tip of the iceberg conversation. I strongly suggest reading the book, Happier Parents, Happier Kids, as I think it'd be a great centerpiece uh, to any parenting book club and generating some interesting ideas connected to the happier quest. Until next time, peace and take care.